Welcome back to the Morning Dinner Podcast. It's your boy Keem and Chuck. Don't forget, before we get into this video, I want you to subscribe. And, and then after you subscribe, go ahead and, and after, like and uh, drop a comment down below. <laughs> got sad. Today, guys, it is our last episode. Episode eight. Well, last, last episode. episode. It's our last Bro, episode of the month of, the, oh, there we go. of October. And we like to go out with a bang, guys. It's a scary, spooky, uh, spoopy season. <laughs> it's, a, it's a spoopy season, and we got Brandon Christensen in the house, guys. If you guys are not familiar with Brandon, he is he he is he, he, he is a, a film. He's a film director, guys. He makes feature length films. The you know real what I'm saying? Deal. Not short films. He's done those, but feature length films. Not short YouTube films or f- films on YouTube, like real feature. Films. Yeah, like like he puts us in our place, guys. And uh, here, let me actually read your bio real quick. Brandon Christensen is a film commercial director. He's made his direct, uh, directorial Whoa. debut on feature-length films such as Stillborn, released in 2018, and Z, released in 2019. Uh, also having a background in commercial video production. So this guy's done music videos. He's done commercials Damn, for businesses. Damn, he did businesses. a feature film he did back a, to back. Yeah, bro, back That's to crazy. back. Uh, and we're gonna talk about all the good details as far as like how he uh, put everything to, uh, put, put everything together. Chill, chill but, out, uh, twist yeah, it. man. Uh, we over here, you know, killing it. <laughs> it's a spooky <laughs> season. Uh, yeah, man. What do you uh, hope to gain from this episode, man? I got so many questions because this is some next level stuff. First of all, I gotta say, like horror, as being filmmakers as well, horror is my favorite genre when it comes to like movies. Broke. I just something about the scary season. Yeah, I don't know. So I just love I love uh, getting scared because it brings in. It's like laughing. Yeah, scary and laughing is so fun to me because it brings out. Is it like endorphins or something? Yeah, Endor- like, endorphins, and en- endorphins and adrenaline. But yeah, without further ado, episode eighty-one Peace. with Brandon Christensen. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. That's crazy. This is the last podcast of October that we're doing. Perfect. And for it's Halloween. Uh, it's for Halloween. Is Halloween your favorite holiday? I don't know. Do I, I like the idea of it. And every time it comes, there's always like those. Uh, are we recording yet? Yeah, we are. Okay, cool. Oh. Um, every time that there's a, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, watch a horror movie a day, do the 31 days of Halloween. And I'm always really excited to do that, but. Never happens. Never happens. I, I don't know. know if it's because I got kids or it's because just. Well, because you're preparing for Thanksgiving, really. <laughs> yeah, pretty That's much. That's what's happening. <laughs> I'm Before just we get for carried food. away, real quick for everybody tuning into the podcast, Brandon Christensen in the house. Can you let people know who you are and what you do out here? Uh, I am Brandon Christensen, as you just said. I am a director, producer, and uh, visual effects artist now but uh yeah i've got i just finished my second feature film called z it's uh currently in the festival circuit it's actually playing like right now in atlanta so dope. and nice. then on uh sunday it's going to be at nightmares film festival in uh in columbus ohio but it's just kind of doing the the whole thing and it's coming out next year and it's uh and your your main your main genre of of film is horror right yep right now it's uh, you know i started uh, I did a bunch of horror short films and stuff like that, and they just have a, I don't know, I've always been a big fan of horror, so it, it always made sense to do that. I, I remember oh, yeah. a couple of years ago, you were posting um, some behind the scenes. It was, I think it was the visual effects for a short film that you had done up in Mount Charleston. Oh, yeah. What short film was that? Uh, it was called Black Ice. It was, Black Ice. It was like a, a, I wrote a feature with another guy, and um, it never went anywhere, so I, I adapted it into a web series, and it was kind of a ten episode thing. Ah. And we shot uh, just the pilot up in Mount Charleston, th- and we shot it in you know January, where every year other than that year it's been very snowy. Yeah. But that <clears throat> that particular year it was you know everything melted, so it was just like 
you know, this is not the right place to shoot a film. Yeah, you know, that takes yeah. place in snowy mountains. <laughs> yeah, they put those VFX skills to work. I, I did, yeah, I didn't know anything going into that. So when I started it, it was just, uh, you know, just try. Everything was rotoscoping. There's no green screen. Oh I didn't my do. It wasn't God. shot properly or anything. So it was wow. Just, you know, I mean, it looked good. I mean, to, to somebody okay. somebody like me who doesn't do any VFX, right? And I'm watching like the the, the layers as you put them on. I'm like, mm. whoa, this is this is nuts. Some of it looked pretty good, uh, but it, you know, it, watching it now it doesn't really hold up. And it's just like, well, you get better with time too, right? For sure. You know, yeah. you start noticing. I mean, you can say that things. about a lot of old movies. <laughs> they don't hold up at all. A lot of movies don't don't age very well, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a great learning experience, and it just kind of taught me how to. Um, learn how to fix things later that you know you can kind of you, you can manipulate so much nowadays mm-hmm. that and i and i do want to talk about uh stillborn and i want to talk about z because those are the two two of your biggest to date films that you've worked on right right uh but before we get there what went on to get those did you have to get permits and things for shooting in mount charleston and how, how, how did that work for that uh or yeah it's kind of like a running gun kind of thing no with that one we did have permits it was just a two-day shoot and uh our producer andrea walter she she knew someone that knew someone and she got the permit for up there or something like that. But it, I mean, the whole thing was shot in one parking lot up there by the, the volunteer fire yeah. station. So, um, we didn't really, you know, use that much space. The drone stuff we kind of, I think we did, uh, Allegedly. Not, yeah, we, we did, yeah, we shot that elsewhere. <laughs> that was back in the day before they didn't even do what drones were. Right. For sure. So we, <laughs> we have a few of that, uh, those things. And, and someone did stop. One of the Rangers stopped when we were doing just like a pickup day of just car driving stuff. And uh, they asked what we were doing, but they were they were fine with it. It's better you oh, yeah. fly in Mount Charleston than you fly down the Las Vegas Strip, man. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> can't even take off there. <laughs> well, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were just talking about this with a uh, uh, old girl we had on the last episode. Names, I'm blanking Le- on the name. Lisa? Yeah. Leslie? Leslie. Leslie, Leslie. Sorry. Yeah, we are just talking about that because I, uh, when I first got my drone, allegedly... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I took it down to the strip, uh, parked on top of the Bellagio parking lot, mm-hmm. allegedly, and right. flew it down the strip. And now, it worked? Yeah, it worked. This, wow. was, this was like 2000. Yeah, this is a wild whenever, whenever the DJI <laughs> Phantom 3 or 4? Mm-hmm. 4. Came Phantom out? Four, yeah. yeah, when it first came out. You okay. know, before they did the whole GPS thing. Right. Because now you try to go down yeah. there and it's locked. Yeah, when we... Can't do we we shot this movie it stains his hands red uh, with Colin Minahan and we, we shot a day in Utah in... Uh, What's it called? There's that city. It's like a, it's on the border of Nevada and Utah, and it's kind of Mesquite? like no, it's further north. It's uh, they Utah? shot oh, no. no, they shot um, Con Air up there, like the whole airport sequence. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter. But we we were we were shooting there, and we were on an oh like an old kind of a single strip uh, airfield. Is it, is it Ely? Eli? No, it's okay, no, no. it's there's West. Up, that's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Ter- terrible story. But it's uh <laughs> we you know I, I had the drone and we had this great big shot set up and I turned it on. It just like it said would not fly because we were at an airport. Yeah. So yeah. It's just just it's that red it. zone. Yeah. And then oh, so it's like a five five uh, mile radius. Or yeah. Something. I, it's. What was that one movie? Because you probably know movies. They did like a chase scene in New York, and they did they got no permits. So like they literally did this chase. Scene. Was it like a big movie? Yeah, it was a it was a feature film back in the hmm. day. Like with Robert De Niro. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I I know it's a pretty big movie because I remember my dad telling me he's like, yeah, they did this whole scene. That's like, a great would have been way. like the French Connection. That was in Chicago, I think. But oh, was it Chicago? Maybe then it was probably if Chicago. Was, but I, I can't imagine back. That was like the seventies. I can't imagine they wouldn't have done it properly. Supposedly, like he didn't, he couldn't get the permits to shut huh. down the street, so he literally shot it. Just and like, it. there's like shots where he hits a car, and that was supposedly a real person's uh-huh. car. Like, wow. and they use that. Yeah, they use oh, it. God, they, 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 mm-hmm. But I, I wonder, like, like how 
how much like what was the ticket you know what i mean because they for <laughs> sure got yeah well, with that but well, when you're working on movies that big you got like a multi-million dollar budget usually they maybe it's accounted for like oh here's a couple right tens of thousands it's like yeah. <laughs> when you're <laughs> building city center you have like yeah x amount of deaths built into it for insurance <laughs> it's just like okay. is that something that happens on big feature films like they they, they plan no for i deaths? don't think on feature films oh, okay I mean, especially with the whole sarah jones thing i don't think that anyone's going to be what's the whole sarah jones thing uh, the assistant camera that uh that died on the the train accident or it was like midnight express or something mm-hmm. that i missed i missed that yeah i don't they were shooting on a train track like on a bridge and they didn't have permits or anything like that they thought it was going to be clear but as they were shooting just the train came and everybody's kind of abandoning and she got hit and wow. she died wow so sad yeah, just like in the uh the deadpool movie uh one of the stuntmen right right yeah i think need for speed too mm-hmm. yeah, man. resident evil i think had well one. before we go down that <laughs> dark 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 mm-hmm. uh train track let's uh let's go ahead and talk about why you decided to start doing films because that's a uh, not something that everybody decides to make a career first of all right well um i mean i think everybody uh, not everybody but a lot of people especially my age when they they always had a camera when they were a kid you know Mm -hmm. like in 91 or something you know we had my my grandparents camera and Mm -hmm. we just me my brother and my two sisters would just shoot really horrible you know little films and stuff like that that. dv tapes or vhs Uh, i was like (laughs) they were eight millimeter but they weren't film it was high it wasn't high eight it was Betamax. no it was it was just the little eight millimeter tapes they were they were digital but it or not digital they were uh, they were magnetic, but oh damn! But what were they? They were. It was kind of like high eight, but I I can't uh, I can't remember. But they they say eight millimeter. It doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> yeah, we we would just shoot things like we we had our own Superman series that was you know it was all terrible. It was always in the house. We never went outside. Yep. But you know your imagination runs wild, and yeah. every, you know the bedroom becomes an office, and the downstairs becomes a gymnasium, and oh, yeah. uh, you know you're in you're in like the the cold storage room, and that's uh, a gangster alleyway, and uh, where all the drug dealers <laughs> hang out. I wish I grew up like that, yeah. man. I wish I grew up with people who wanted to make little films. Right. You know, yeah. I'm Mexican, so everybody was like doing their own thing, man. <laughs> right. And when when I got a little older, like uh, junior high, my friends and I we would shoot. Uh, we shot like a 45 minute spy thriller um, and it's hysterical. It started, it was me and a friend. We, uh, my friend Dan, we were, we were going to try and do something like Metal Gear Solid. This was when that came out nice. and we were like, let's do a spy movie. We we're using the same places in my house. And uh, very quickly we got tired of doing it seriously. So it just turned, you know, spun into this parody of spy movies and Damn, it just kept so... i mean it's horrible but it's hilarious at the well same time. looking back it's nice to have that to look back yeah. on and be do like you still oh have we did them? that yeah for sure oh, are they yeah. on your vimeo uh i don't think that one is because i don't know if you know this chuck but on his vimeo he's got a lot of like archival family oh, stuff my. too i've went so it, i went so far back i was like yeah, damn yeah, yeah look at all that commercial stuff yeah we i mean we had cameras growing up you know our entire lives so as i've got you know, my computer, I've digitized everything going, like going back to the fifties with my daddy as old films. Mm. With those, was he had, of like, uh, same as you, like a director and everything, no. or he just loved to film? He, like I family. mean, I think my grandpa, uh, he hit my dad's dad. He just, I guess he was in, I mean, he was, he did fairly well. So he, I think he just got into cameras and stuff like that. So he always had sort mm. of the latest camera thing. Oh, Cause the camera used to be like a luxury back in the totally. day. Totally. You know, yeah. like in like 85, I think, uh, he got like a VHS shoulder mounted camera. And so we Damn. had home video footage from portable. Then. 
Totally. Top and of the line. Bro. So it's just, uh, we've got footage just hours and hours and hours. It's pretty cool. I have one picture of my dad before he was 30. <laughs> right. <laughs> one picture. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, man. Well, that's I don't like know. the same with my mom. There's some stuff going on in my family, though. I think uh, they said, like, the whole story that they used to have burned right. down. That's I'm what like, my mom said. That's what you're, yeah, they're, they're hiding something, bro. What y'all hiding? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's funny. I've got, you know, I've just got years of, of archival footage of my life, but it's like pales in comparison to with my kids. You know, it's like their first bath is like oh, a, yeah. a trilogy of feature films. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all day like six well, hours. Of, I saw so you even tight. have interviews for their first day of school. Yeah. That's, that's something that I remember seeing something on YouTube. It was like someone took, or someone did that with their kid. It was every day or every first and last day of every school year. They, they would interview his daughter and I think she was 18. He posted on YouTube and I was like, Holy crap, that's really that's cool. So tight. And that was right around the time that my, my oldest son, was going into kindergarten so my mm-hmm. wife and I were just like let's we should do that and we we're you know he's in se- uh, second grade now so we've been we've done I think five interviews with what him what was his last yeah. thing he said was he always bummed he was or was he excited like thank god he's, it's over yeah he's no he's always been he's really excited about it but it's always just like you're getting a, a gauge on what he wants to be when he's older and stuff like that and you see his teeth just sort of falling apart <laughs> <laughs> looking like a hillbilly <laughs> yeah so it, it's cute it's fun just to be able to look at those for sure did, did you uh, go the film school route I did. Yeah, I went to okay. Toronto Film School. Oh, okay. So I was in I was in Calgary. Uh, I grew up there and when I was, you know, graduated, by that point all my friends had kind of sorry, had already yeah. Sorry, uh, that cable's going to yeah, be annoying. Be yeah. Here, I Damn it, Chuck. I can do that. Why are you always playing? Brief intermission, guys. I got this over here. There we go. Sorry, I can't do my job. That's why I'm not going anywhere. You're all good. <laughs> um, and so, you know, all my friends were all going their own separate ways. And so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, and I applied to, I think, Columbia and Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I got rejected. And then... Uh, but when you apply to these schools, you have to submit work, don't you? Or is uh, it not like that? I can't... I've heard about some schools that do that. Right. I think some probably do. This was back before all that. This was 2003. Oh, okay. And so it was... Uh, Lottery-based, do you think? No, I think I think it was just... I just ran. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't like want to guess. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. I heard some crazy stuff now. Like to get right. into school. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I saw that movie. Uh, with what's his name? The drummer, Whiplash. Uh huh. That was I, great. They got to do some crazy stuff. I don't know uh-huh. what school that was, but they got to do some crazy stuff to get into that school. Mm-hmm. And to even and to even keep going there. Right. But uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah and then sorry. Toronto Film School. It's, it's one of those international academy schools. It's private, so it's just like, hey, you've got money, you can come. You know, you're oh. you're you're in. That's so funny. it was just uh, it was like an 18 month program. Just go in, no <laughs> no <money>. real breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just you know, it was great. I got oh, to, the whole program was 18 months. Yeah, it was just you know three months and then like two weeks off for so the, a break and then three months. You know, just kind of went through like five or six different semesters. Mm-hmm. It's a diploma. I mean, it was it was a good experience just because it was. Um, great for networking and great for just having tools and stuff like that like you know like the film school is totally what you take out of it like you can go there and just sort of sit around sit and listen not participate and you're not going to get much out of it you don't want to do that though (laughs) yeah exactly if you're spending that kind of money you want to be like hands-on you know you're in a lighting class you want to play with the lights you're in a camera class you want to play with the cameras Um, and as school was kind of going on I I started to go out into music videos a little bit so I would be um, ditching class to shoot or like, you know, do pre-pro and music videos and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, the teachers were cool with it, but there was like mandatory attendance. So I would just, they were nice enough to fudge those numbers for me. Just oh, so nice. I, I could work on stuff because I think they got it. You know, it's like, oh, he's doing, you know, work. It's yeah. not just like, he's not just dicking around. Yeah. Do you still uh, have any contacts from your, your former uh, college days? Uh, yeah, I've got friends still. I, I was just, re- I read, I was talking to a couple of them today because, uh, 
the film Z is actually playing in Toronto next month. When are you guys this tomorrow? It's announcing, so it oh, okay, it's, this should be fine. Yeah, this will come out uh, Monday. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, November twenty sixth, that's seven p.m. It's playing at a festival there, and I've, I haven't played in Toronto before, so I'm excited to go. Oh, nice! And just so I'll, I'll start like reaching out to everybody that nice. I went to school. Oh, yeah. like, hey, get out there! Out. Yeah, for sure. Wait, so, so you're you're flying out there? Yeah, I'll fly out there for it. Ooh, nice! Yeah, it'll be cool. Do you it's, think the school would support you that you went to? <laughs> well, or? I don't know because they closed. Oh. Um, they, 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 they closed, they're open again, but they went down for a couple of years. I'm not sure why. I don't know. I was kind of distant from it by the time that happened. It was, you know, six Better than having ago. gone to the art institute. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I, I think it's very similar, but, uh, yeah, they closed and now they're back up. I don't know where they are. Maybe when I'm back, I'll go and check it out and just, mm-hmm. you know, see if anybody I know there, like all the professors or whatever are still there. But uh, it was cool. I mean, I love Toronto. It's a great city. That's interesting, man. Yeah. That you said that, that your school closed. Why is it that the like the art-based schools always tend to have the most issues? Is it because art is subjective? I mean, what? Probably because the know? people running it. It's a private institute. They're not really beholden That's the issue. It's private. There's, there you go. Yeah. If it so was government run, they could be. Yeah, they could be handling the money. Yeah. Who knows what's going on with that money? They're just. Uh, I, I I honestly don't know. Though I wasn't I wasn't around for it. It was years mm-hmm. after I graduated. Mm-hmm. I graduated in. Uh, 2000 at the very beginning of 2006 mm-hmm. so 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 coming out of college did you did you know that you wanted to start on on, on feature length films or did you say i'm going to start doing short films commercials, commercials weddings what path did you take after that um i was really into uh, music videos at the time i was trying okay. to be i'd done a few and then a friend of mine uh that's still up in toronto uh, we started a company together to try and get into music videos and corporate videos and wedding videos and stuff like that but uh, we, our our work ethic was pretty low. We were like 22 <laughs> years old, and Halo Three yeah. had just come out. And so we were right there. <laughs> so we were just like spending all of our time, you know, staying up till five playing Halo, and then yeah. have like business meetings, and they didn't. Nothing happened. I, I booked like a music video, and the artist would just disappear. Yeah. And so Wait, just what? like yeah, so I was bartending at the same time, and it was just like. I, I, this isn't working at all. And after a year, um, my, my lease was up and I was just like, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So I was thinking about moving back to Calgary with my parents, but they had just torn down their house, mm-hmm. um, and rebuilt it. So, uh, my sister who lived in Las Vegas, she's like, Hey, come on out and, you know, just, just visit and see what you think. Cause I, I'm a dual citizen cause my dad's American. Right. Oh, and, yeah. um, so I went down and she knew someone at this company, DAV productions, and, uh, they were hiring someone like a low level PA type. And uh, I got an interview and they hired me while I was visiting for like a week. And so I just pretty much flew back and Dang. to Toronto and packed up everything and drove down with my girlfriend. Oh, wow. Your girlfriend moved to move. Vegas with you? Yeah, she was, um, she was in Cal, she's from Calgary as well, but, and she's my wife now, but she came to Toronto and we kind of just drove across the country in a U-Haul together. And it kind of wow. worked out perfectly. Yeah, Wait, you got to help me out with my little ge- geographical skills here. Uh, you said Calgary, right? Calgary's is that on- due north. It's uh, take look, the 15 all the way for When you look hours. at the map, you look so at the map. So it's the very left of Canada? Is it the top it's, right or top left? Um, It's a little bit to the right of the, like BC's the very far left, British Columbia, and then Alberta where Calgary is. Uh-huh. Like literally you jump on the 15 here drive north and keep driving on the 15 oh, so it's and on you the, get there that's, that's on this crazy. side it's literally one highway oh dang oh that's, that's kind of easy that makes it so yeah. easy so it's like you go through utah uh, idaho montana alberta and it's all just 15 mm-hmm. um ontario is on the east side it's not quite as far as like quebec and the maritimes but it's uh ontario is kind of the center right um and uh that's a long drive that was like 30 38 hours or something like that in the U-Haul, which sucked. I kind of want to speak to the fact that 
you're in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. but you don't really shoot in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. You shoot mostly in Canada? Uh, yeah, my, my two films we've shot in Calgary, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shot a film. Why is that? Uh, the first film that I worked on was It Stains the Sands Red, which is Colin Menahan and Stuart Ortiz's film. Mm-hmm. Um, we shot here. I, I'd never worked on a feature before. They had done, you know, a bunch and they were, they were, they sent me this script and I was like, well, I had never done this before, but I was like, I, I kind of pushed them. I was like, hey, you know, this is a, a desert script. It takes place in Vegas. Let's shoot here. And they, they came out just to scout it and I sort of lined everything up for them. So they mm-hmm. just came and they're like, oh, okay, everything's here. It's ready to go. No. So they just came and did it. And uh, they, they pretty much financed the whole thing themselves. And it That's was a zombie super, film, right? Yeah. Super okay. low budget, just a tiny crew. It was like a DP, AC, a grip a sound guy yeah and oh, then wow. a rotating cast of like me as a pa or i was just running around doing you know whatever and we had yeah. a couple other guys and stuff there but it was <clears throat> you know it's bare bones and um when we finished that we were we started writing stillborn uh and colin wanted to give me a chance to do a film which was cool and uh it was we we wrote it for vegas initially but uh we have some friends kurt harder and chris ball up in calgary and they had just shot a film in Calgary and they were talking about the tax incentives there that, that, um, that Alberta had. And, uh, oh, okay. and it just sort of, we, we started talking about it more and, uh, just, uh, these guys, you know, they were young, but they were talented and, you know, they, they knew a ton of crew and stuff like that. So we were able to rebuild the script for Calgary. And it was kind of nice for me because it was kind of like a homecoming. I could go back and I could work on this film. Yeah. Um, so we ended up going there and the, you know, the tax incentives basically paid for our post-production. So you, it was kind you, of an upgrade. You kind of have to break wild. it down to me. What is a tax incentive and why is it super important in shooting films? <clears throat> um, it's just basically like a tax rebate that the government gives you. So, oh, okay. It was like called- if you buy a MacBook, they got a $500 rebate. You get that back. Pretty much. Yeah. Gotcha. So like, uh, basically any dollar you spend in Alberta at the time, things are changing right now, so it's not the same, but Mm -hmm. at the time it was basically 30% of any dollar on crew, locations, hotels, anything like cast, anything like that. Um, you get 30% back. So So you have to to, like hit up the, what's the tax government (laughs) out there? Do you have to hit them up and be like, Hey, we're doing this thing. It was a, it's a public thing. It was this, like it was a government entity that you dealt with directly. So it was just the Alberta media fund. Mm -hmm. So you just dealt directly with them. You filled out the application. They would, uh, you know, they had X amount of dollars allocated for films and stuff like that. It was like something like 30 million a year or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, Vegas has something similar. That's why I thought they were doing a lot like the, when, when they were doing, um, what's it called? The hangover film. Right. They were doing Las Las Vegas. Vegas Yeah. Yeah. That's why I thought Vegas was about, about to be the next like big film location. Yeah, well, they do have something right now. The, the difference is in Alberta, the minimum spend, like what you had to do to actually start tapping into it was $50,000. Um, oh, whereas okay. in Vegas, it's $500,000. Oh, crap. So unless you, you know, and that's that's spent in, uh, in Las Vegas or in Nevada, sorry. So it's like, you know, if you're casting out of LA, if you've got some, like your DP or count? whatever, those don't count. So, oh. you, you know, so if you're spending a million dollars and 500 of that is on crew locations in Nevada, then you can tap into it. So okay. it's... It's tough. I mean, we did It Stains the Sands Red, and that was like 130 or something like that. So we were nowhere nowhere near it. Um, and like, you know, none of my movies are even close to that. So mm-hmm. it's it's it doesn't really make sense to shoot here, you know? Mm-hmm. So especially so when we were doing Z and we did another film, Spiral, right after, um, we we just stuck to Alberta because they had such aggressive, you know, thing for that level of budget. How far is Alberta from Las Vegas? It's like a... 20 hour drive north, three hour oh, flight, okay. two and a half hour flight. You always just drive there instead of just flying? Um, it, when we do family vacations, because my wife's from there too, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll drive usually just because we got kids and it's yeah, super it's a fun expensive. Little thing too. 
No fun, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's you know it's cheaper way to get there. But uh, now, at, at what point no did you fun. decide that you wanted to start doing commercials though? Um, because you I, you've done a lot of like. 15, 30 second ads, whether it's for yeah, it car so dealerships for, uh, or you have like the, 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 the don't drink and dr- text and drive. Right. Um, um, how did that come together? I, when I was working at that company, DAV productions, it's no longer around. They, they, they're a new company now, but, uh, um, they were doing commercials and, uh, I was able to direct some for them. So as they kind of dissolved and I left them, um, they gave me one of the car dealership ones. They just didn't have time for it anymore. So they just sort of spun it off to me. And I was doing those, you know, every few months because they're always updating their inventory, things like that. So mm-hmm. um, that was kind of the starting point. And it just sort of spread. I, I got together with the, another local guy, Monty, who runs a thought division. And he, you know, I, I kind of pushed him. I was like, hey, man, I'm local. I want to direct commercials, blah, blah, blah. And he mm-hmm. started giving me some work, too. And those were a little bit more higher end, like the local car commercials are. You know they're they're typically not very sexy, but this nah, this other guy yeah. is doing kind of like international. Have you seen like the the commercials on like Channel Fifteen Spanish News? No, where they have like the little dog speaking. Or the rest <laughs> for the restaurants? Yeah, <laughs> or for, no, no, not not the restaurants. No. I'm talking about the ones for the uh, oh. the the, the, the grocery deal? stores, Uh-oh. the grocery stores, bro, or even the oh. car dealerships. They'll have like a dog, mm-hmm. and they'll like the VFX the mouth moving. Bro, it looks like right. bowling alley graphic. <laughs> It looks like something I would do. <laughs> I don't do VFX. Like, right. The way, so did that help? Like you being a visual effects artist, did well, that help you book more gigs or like? I, I mean, I'd be learning. Like I booked one. He had these kind of international clients, like for these uh, these uh, stock trading companies in like Luxembourg. And so oh, I would oh, be, wow. you know, getting up at like 3 a.m. to do client calls with these guys. And they're just like, we want to do, a, you know, we want a Lamborghini flying down a highway. It's supposed to take place in Sydney. It's supposed to take place in Shanghai. And I'm like... Okay. And so I was just like figuring it out as I went and I never had a ton of money. So we shot this one cool spot that was basically, we, we, it was me, uh, Clayton Moore, a local DP. And, I've heard of him. I think I have him on Facebook. Yeah. And, and yeah. like one other guy that was like a grip and we shot the entire thing in a hotel room. And when you watch it, there's like, he's like in Shanghai, he's like ripping down in a, you know, in a freeway and a Lamborghini and stuff. And it was just like all these different elements I put together and it's actually yeah. a pretty dope commercial. So you but, had to call everybody and figure everything out? Yeah, or? it was, I mean, there was no so money for a producer. A producer. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, so I mean, that's, that was the thing that actually helped me work on that first film at Stains and Sands Red is that I was putting together these shoots on no money, you know, I'd just be like putting, you know, I'd have to do everything because I couldn't afford to, to, to hire a producer. Um, so it was just, it was just kind of just, you know, one, it always seems to be when you do something and you can put it out into the world, people go, Oh, this guy does that. Yeah. And then someone will, will reach out and, uh, you know, it just, the commercials just sort of kept coming and it was cool. See. And music videos were kind of the big thing before that, but they started to fizzle out as you ever done a rap video. I did a ton. Yeah. <laughs> I've done I a lot. I think we all nice. have. <laughs> hey, have you seen that Facebook video where like the, 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 the videographer's holding the camera and then all the videographers are like holding guns to it? And, and like, this like, he's, like, he's like, he's like, he's <laughs> like, with his camera? No, Bro, it's, it's hilarious. So going like, back to like, um, like when you said you started directing some of the commercials, did mm-hmm. you ask, did you say like, hey, I'd like to take this task up or did they kind of say like, hey, do you want to? It was kind of, this? it was kind of brought to me as just, can you do this? You know, the same mm-hmm. thing with the music videos. It was just like, you know, we have five hundred dollars. We want to shoot a music video in eight locations. And I'm like, okay, you're gonna get me. You know, all these crappy lights I have. And we're you're gonna get me in a T2I. Yeah. These green ass lights. Yep. And it was just driving around to spend twenty hours shooting, just you and the band, and you, you know, you'd make whatever you could make, and it was yeah. never as good as you wanted it to be. But nah. 
you know, it was, it was 500 bucks that you didn't have. So, yeah. um, it was just that, you know, just kind of hustling and you'd get, you know, then you get a thousand bucks to do a video and you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to hire a guy to help. And then you've got a PA all of a sudden, and it just sort of slowly builds. And eventually it was just like, you know, now I do a commercial here and I've got a full truck. I've got, you know, I've got a full grip and lighting team it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's just it's nice now i don't have to do anything no nah, man <laughs> your, your work looks incredible man yeah, just much like, i gotta yeah. say stillborn was like i was like damn yeah that was a that was i mean for a small budget film and we had a ton of people on that like if you came you'd think it was a million dollar film mm-hmm. so no, 100% a that's what people, i thought man. i was like damn this what is this like at least 6 mil 7 mil i was like now, it looks so good i don't know where money. i heard this but the baby in stillborn mm-hmm. What that that was that was one of your relatives? Yeah, it was my my niece, and that was part of the reason we went to Calgary too. Was oh, that okay. my brother and his wife uh, Ryan and Deanna? They were pregnant with their second kid, mm-hmm. and uh, we kind of like cast her in utero. We we're just like, look, we we kind of scheduled the film around her birth. We were like, uh, dang, you know, she's born. Uh, I think it was August twentieth or something, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. And we're we're like, we started shooting a week after, and she was there every single day. Yeah. So we paid them a little bit of money, but I mean, what we did wasn't exactly legal because yeah. you're supposed to, with the actual guidelines, um, you know, they have to be X amount of days old, and we we fudged those numbers a little bit. Well, oh, yeah, I was gonna wow. say, I, and that's one of the things <laughs> I want to talk things. about because, like, allegedly, I, I, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, I think I can't remember. I yeah, can't. just kidding. Because <laughs> I, I don't know where I where I read this, but like, if they're newborns, they can only be on set couple hours or a couple somewhere. hours yeah. no more than like three or four hours per right. day is it same and with that's children? why and that's why uh, what same with children children yeah, yeah, yeah. Young, young, children young, young. have like children, six hours yeah or something. Okay. but here's the thing is and and this is what i learned i don't know where i heard this from but when you have twins mm-hmm. you get you get tend to be booked more yeah because then they, you can alternate yeah oh wow that's why i like the kids, you always have you know? the sprouse brothers the mary you know mary kate yeah. nashville because they could shoot all morning with one then just shoot throw her in the garbage the and the other one would come out yeah. and shoot. The so you could do a full crazy. shooting day. I mean, on, on Z, we didn't, you know, we had this kid, Jet Klein, who was uh, nine when we shot. And so we've got all these rules and all these hoops to go through. And that was a film where, you know, it's a horror film where most of the films can be at night. And uh, so our first two weeks of the film, we were shooting from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., and you can't shoot with a kid after like midnight. He's going to fall apart. So oh, yeah. we had to be very creative with how yeah. we did that. Like we would shoot one part of a scene and then return to it later when we were in the same room, you know, like a week later. So we'd get his side of it just because the timing would work up. So it's just a lot of puzzle solving just to make that work. But um, yeah, once you get after midnight and you're, you know, you're trying to work with them, it's just like, it's like, you know, if I was trying to work with my kids, it's, they're, they're not going to start listening. You know, they don't yeah. listen after midnight. Did yeah, you have somebody to, to help you keep track of the schedule for like, yeah, I mean, not, not even so much of the schedule, but like the shot list of like, okay, well, we shot this, but we got to make sure we come back and shoot this other part. Because we, didn't, we couldn't shoot that part. Yeah, we had an AD. We had three ADs. but uh, That's an assistant director, right? Yeah, so okay. we had the one, uh, the, the first AD is kind of the one that's working side by side with me. Mm-hmm. The second AD was doing more call sheets and more like larger scope okay. things. And the third, uh, the third AD was kind of uh, babysitting the talent. Like they would hang out and just make sure they were on set when they needed to be. Yeah. So they would all be on a, like a, they'd have... Uh, walkie talkies and they're just like okay we need to get the actor to set so she would be sort of standing by their room and then bring them out and stuff like that but Mm. um yeah i mean i had a shot list that i would be working from and there was there was actually one situation where we shot half of a scene and we were supposed to return and shoot the reverse on it the next week just because we we didn't have the kid yet when we shot the first half and we never did. So when I was editing the film, I was like building this scene. Then I was like, where's the reaction? Oh, where's this damn. whole? And I was just like, did we not get it? Yeah. And we just never shot it. Luckily, it so didn't how, matter. But how, how did you cut, cut around it? Just cut the scene out. 
and I knew Damn, it's funny crazy. when I, when I when I was when I was shooting the film too because we shot scenes after and before later, and I was just like that scenes no it wouldn't even work in the film anyways like it's, it would have been cut for sure yeah, so it was yeah. kind of a lucky accident oh hell yeah <laughs> that's kind of funny because I'm I'm currently editing a music video uh-huh. and we talked about it before the podcast started but there's remember that video we shot with the uh, I won't say who but anyways we shot a, we shot a scene where this guy's talking to a girl on Facetime right uh-huh. we got the whole scene of him talking to her we just didn't get her talking to him uh-huh. so like you know there's no reaction it's right. like a one minute shot right. of the camera just on, on him right. and I'm like oh. crap how am I gonna just keep it on him for like a minute and he's talking to her the whole time so what I did is we do have shots of her when he was doing a performance shot mm-hmm. but it's just of her giggling and laughing mm-hmm. and twirling with her hair so what I did is I looked for spots in the audio when mm-hmm. he's talking to her where she's just laughing right cut him in that nice. way you get a little bit of you know totally yeah, yeah. It's, I mean that's how it is. It's movie magic. Beautiful accident. It's puzzle, puzzle solving. And then I crazy. and then I shot it in 4K, so I just cropped in. <laughs> I cropped in, and then I kind of cut, cut him because you can see him lip syncing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So we're going back to like, did you for this uh, stillborn? Did you have a producer that mm-hmm. you knew? Or? Yeah. So so Colin Minahan was the kind of the main producer, and he was the one that directed at Saints Sands Red, and he had the most experience. He was kind of a a guy I looked up to growing up because he was doing music videos in Canada and kind of like uh, mm-hmm. you know winning awards, all this stuff. And so I was kind of so dope. trying to emulate his career a little bit, and just wasn't able to do what he was doing. Um, and so he kind of went off into the feature world, and he had done a few features, and that's why I kind of was like, dude, I want to do this feature with you. Come to Vegas, blah blah blah. And I kind of forced my way in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he and then Kurt and Chris in Calgary, they were the three kind of producers. Like Colin would be more of a creative producer. He'd be um, more thinking about the script and changes and things like that. Kurt was kind of working with the money and Chris was kind of working with, uh, getting things like you'd be the line producer running around, buying things to get hiring, whatever, you know, just being the problem solver. Um, it, you know, it was, it was a great team that we had. So, um, you know, the movie for a first film, it was kind of just like a very, a very lucky situation to be in. And, mm. and another thing was that we shot at my parents' house, the, the house that they, rebuilt back when i couldn't move back to calgary nice ass house yeah, <laughs> yeah. so they built like, this big yeah. house after all the kids moved out because i guess you that's know, what they can do <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so we we ended up shooting there we had another location the, the, the movie was written for like a starter home young couple first kids um and then all of a sudden uh a week before production we had cast the leads in their you know early 20s mid 20s mm-hmm. um we so we were all like okay this is the house blah 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 and then the house sold and they were like we need we can't shoot here anymore cuz we just sold the house they want to they want possession when you guys are shooting mm-hmm. so it was you know a week before production we we're just trying, kind of pulling our hair out and everyone's like just you know go to your parents and ask them and yeah know, i did and they they were they were just like okay yeah no problem and they just moved out for a month and we shot, you know, there was 15 days there or something like that. But that was always our home base. Like every day, they, the whole crew would come into the basement and they would just sort of we had like a war room or they we were kind of like cutting dailies and stuff like that. All the crafty was Damn, down there. So they did nice. everything in there. Yeah. So we shot. Well, so um, you guys shot Z in 15 days? Uh, no, we shot. Well, both of them are 20, but Stillborn was 15 in that house. And then we had like the hospital location. And right. We had a. Uh, you know, like the neighbor's house and stuff like that. So we had five days off, off of that uh, outside of that house. Um, but yeah, and then Z was a 20 day shoot as well. And that was 10 days in one location and then six in another location. And then just four scattered kind of mm-hmm. just, you know, one offs. Damn, these films look so, I was like, when I watched Stillborn, I thought this was like a year in making and all this. No, shit. I mean, the post is what takes forever. Oh, okay. You know? And why so? It's just, tweaking little like going things back and forth so and much everything. yeah i mean mm-hmm. you're cutting you got to get you're you're shooting 
you know, 30, 40 hours of footage. You're going through every take. You're going through everything. You just, you know, and you have to make sure that the story makes sense. I mean, they say, you know, you write a script three times. You write it when you write it, and then you write it when you're shooting, shooting it, it. Then you write it in post. And yeah. it's like, you know, uh, when you look at Z's timeline, like all these scenes have scene numbers, and, it, you know, you think it'd go like scene one, two, three. But it goes like scene one, two, 45, six, the, 40. The different wow. things, just, situations you, just, you have yeah, to you shoot. Just ha- and, oh. and just you have to change you know, you just have to adapt the story so it makes the most sense. You know, right. how you're shooting it and how you wrote it doesn't necessarily translate. So you're you're all of a sudden going like, well, wait, this doesn't really make any sense. Well, uh, that kind of makes me think of a question then. If you have somebody who's writing the, the, writing the story for the movie... And then you have somebody who's editing, and they edit it different mm-hmm. than the than the script. Than the script uh, is right. Is there like a conflict there? Does the screenwriter understand that um, it needs to be written later? I mean, in this case, since I was a co-writer on both of them, it okay. was it, and I was editing. It didn't, you know, the, I was fighting with myself. Yeah. Um. But it, you know, I think in a case where it's like you've got a writer, typically if you've got a writer, a separate director, and a separate editor, the writer is kind of out of the situation by the time it gets to post. Like they might mm-hmm. hang around a little bit on on the shoot, but typically you'd buy their script and the director would have their own pass oh. on the script and then oh, they could, okay. you know, they'd shoot. It's kind of just a handoff situation. But uh-huh. in this case, it's like, I know what it was supposed to be and you're kind of wrestling with what it actually is. And so yeah. you're trying to figure out what you actually shot isn't what you thought you were going to shoot. So you're coming up with new ways to present this information that you shot and make it make sense. And so it's just, it's funny because like you'll, you'll have people that are um, analyzing your film and they're just like, oh, well, this means this and this means that. And you're just like, Honestly, I just wanted it to make sense. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're finding that great, but yeah, that yeah, is yeah. not at all what I was going for. I just wanted it to make, to be coherent. Yeah. <laughs> and you did sound design too, or you uh, had somebody else? No, we, we hired people. So on Stillborn, we had a guy, Joe Baruco in Montreal. He did that. And then on uh, Z, we had a guy, Miguel Nunez in uh, Vancouver. And I'm imagining that's the beauty of the internet right there, right? You get to work with people who aren't necessarily near you. Yeah, I mean, I we they would be working on it, and then we'd fly out for like a week to, oh, okay. to work with them to finish it, nice, and just like watch you know every scene and just go through and tweak, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know then you you finish it up and you're just that's it, you know. I think you know you you hear about all these rumors with the new Star Wars movie. They've shot like six endings. They you know they just keep changing stuff because they want it to be right, right. You know, in an indie film, it's like you've got one shot. You can't afford to make those changes. So you're yeah. just like, uh, I, you leave that play, you know, you leave that office and you've got this file and you're just like, this is it. I, I heard you something know? crazy so about, about the Avengers uh, Endgame movie. <clears throat> they wrote a bunch of different endings, but also a bunch of different alternate paths within the script oh, yeah. and they first of all nobody ever had the full script okay yeah, everybody always that. had parts of the script mm-hmm. and sometimes those scripts didn't match up hmm. um and they would this was done purposely so nobody would spoil right or the, it wouldn't leak yeah. that you know how the movie would end oh, wow. totally. it's crazy yeah bro. spoiler culture is huge yeah yeah I mean, uh, game of thrones like when that was going on they would shoot they would bring actors in that weren't shooting just to make people because there was people there that would be just trying to take photos and spoil. Yeah. So they'd be like, wait, why is that that character's dead? Why are they are they yeah. back? Are they yeah. on? like you know, and they oh. would just be throwing people off. It kinda yeah. sucks though you have to yeah. do that because people are piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, it's just the way no, it is. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know where I read this, but you wanna be a series like a a, a, a show series uh-huh. director, right? You wanna actually like have your own show, kinda mm-hmm. like a Vince Gilligan. Totally. Uh what kind of show would you want to direct um yeah i mean that was kind of the first that was why i did black ice the way it was like i was trying uh-huh. to do an episodic thing where mm-hmm. it'd be like i was just trying to do 10 episodes 10 minutes each and just trying to adhere to these timelines that i could be like okay here's 10 minutes here's 10 minutes try and be strict about it and mm-hmm. just try and make it very 
like a series and you know that didn't go anywhere so i uh, the feature world kind of popped up there but i've still got my eye on that and i've my brother wrote a book called reedy creek that uh he and i had adapted over the last couple of years and we've been we've got like 10 scripts or no sorry nine scripts it's like 455 pages we've got a full bible and stuff like that and if i could do anything like you know before i did another movie i would drop everything and just do that wow but it's um it's tough can you, know? you can you fix the walking dead I I bailed on that after the first season. <laughs> Wait, after the first season? Uh-huh. After the first season? Uh-huh. Once they once they did Darabont, once they fired him, I was just like, all right, I'm done. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't keep up with that. But I, after the third, <laughs> third or fourth season, I was like, I'm just watching it as, right. as a habit at this right. point. I'm like, I've invested too much of my time mm-hmm. to give up on it. Now the new season, season ten is out. Jeez. They're like four episodes in. I haven't watched a single episode. There's yet. so many shows it's turning into watch. like Supernatural. I, where I forgot just... it came back, bro. Right. And that was the biggest like series show. Right. You know. That's how I feel about Mr. Robot. The new season just came out. I didn't even know. I was like, right. Wait, what the hell? Yeah, Mr. I, I Mr. saw the Robot? first season. There's another one. Fourth, se- fourth season. When we were living at the last house, there was another season three came out. Yeah, I already watched so that. So now season four is out? Yeah, it's fine. Wow. It, dude, no, it's under the radar. Like, yeah. Nobody talked about it. I was like, yeah. What? It's like, crazy. There's unless so you're much breaking stuff. bad, no one's talking about you, bro. <laughs> I know. It, there's <laughs> just so much content. It's have, you impossible. Watched, have you watched El Camino? Not yet. No? It came out when I was in Telluride for a film festival the night it came out. So I was like, oh, uh, nice. I couldn't. I, I wasn't able to watch it there, and I just I got back and just haven't yet. I need to. I want to. I loved Breaking Bad. I loved Better Call Saul. Oh yeah. But uh, two of my favorite shows. Yeah, those are. I mean, Better Call Saul is one of the shows that I will watch. You know, I'll just I'll watch it the night of and everything. Dude, I mean, like we've that. been waiting so long for it to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. Ever since they took a break to film uh, El Camino. Uh huh. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I want to talk about the 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 the, the film. Um, what's it called film festival circuit Mm -hmm. but before that i want to bring something up uh Mm -hmm. after watching z and watching um stillborn Mm -hmm. i noticed there's like kind of like a recurring motif in your films where it's like the psychology of like a mother between her child right why 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 is it why is that i think it's just because i that's kind of all i know right now Uh i've you know i i what my I, I live in a, a house with a family with kids, and I see kids doing creepy stuff, <laughs> and so I hate I mean, kids I, when I, they do creepy shit. I'm just drawing on what I'm seeing every day, and I yeah. see my wife dealing with all this stuff, and my oh, wife okay. is scared of a ton of things. So it's just taking that. I'm I'm just I'm basically watching these characters play out with her fears. So it's it's pretty easy to come up with scary stuff when you've my, got it right in front of you. My my niece did something a long time ago. It creeped me out. She just stared at the corner. Yeah, she was like like 10 years old man oh no mm-hmm. she was like eight or eight or nine mm-hmm. she was a little, little kid right a little skinny mm-hmm. little kid I'm look, she's looking at the corner yeah yeah that's and i'm what, like what's terrifying. going on when I'm kids or animals her. do that shit especially when my dog i'm by myself in the house and then she just gets up and barks mm-hmm. in the dark ass hallway and i'm yeah. like why, why the fuck would you do that yeah, it's <laughs> I, terrifying. I get so bad i'm like i close the door i'm like <laughs> play music hello. i'm like god damn it right when i watch the snowboard i jumped and i was like fuck I got mad. I was like, I hate when I get when I get caught off guard. There was a couple of there was there was one spot in uh in Z that had the me, banister. Yeah, yeah. don't yeah. tell me. I need yeah. to watch okay. it. Okay, right, I was I was in Mesquite doing this commercial, so I'm like, I didn't have time. I was so tired. I was right. like, and I had no internet. Okay, well, I didn't spoil anything, but it's that's the one. It's it turned out really. I mean, Stillborn has the the video monitor one, and yeah. that one when we, when we did our world premiere at Overlook. Uh, I was in the, you know, I was sitting in the crowd. It was the first time I ever watched it with a crowd. And I was just sitting there and, you know, everybody's kind of quiet. And that happens around the 12 minute mark. And it was just like, 
audible gasps when it happened because it's such a quiet movie up to that point and all of a sudden just i got to know where you have this giant scare and everyone's just like there's like screaming in the audience and these are all horror buffs and so they're just like you know you're just like okay we got them we're fine you know and and it was smooth from there but uh z's got the same thing with that with that particular one it's like but that one's a bit that's like 25 minutes in but even now I, i don't sit and watch it in the festivals i'll I'll leave, but I'll be like, oh, it's 24 minutes. I got to come back and I'll film the reaction yeah. because it's always hilarious. Now, you mentioned Overlook. Uh-huh. The Overlook Hotel, that's where they shot The Shining, right? Yeah. So, the uh, the Overlook uh, is a fictional hotel from The Shining. Oh, it's not, uh, it's not a real hotel? No. Like it's not operational during the year? No, it's not. I mean, the, the, the actual hotel is called the Timberline Lodge. It's in, oh. it's in Oregon. Um, but that's where St- Stanley Kubrick shot the exteriors for The Shining. And oh, then okay. Um, the Stanley, which is a place in uh, Colorado, that's where Stephen King was inspired to write The Shining, and that's where the TV series version of uh, The Shining takes place. Okay. Um, so yeah, this festival they 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 did their first year, their inaugural year of this uh, this festival up at the Timberline Lodge, you know, up on Mount Hood in Oregon, and it was just uh, you know you're you're kind of stranded up there. The snow was going up to the windows, just like when Danny and you know he climbs out of the window yeah, in the Shining yeah, yeah. and he rolls. It was just like that. That's crazy. That's um, the inside of it's totally different, but they themed the whole festival around around that film, and it was really cool. They have little girls walking around. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, the, well, bicycle. <laughs> they had a ton of just like you know like role playing games. Like they had a serial like you could sign up and get like Amber alerts for a serial killer and stuff. And so they'd have like these action role, like live action role playing yeah. oh, things. That's so dope. Wow. It was pretty cool. And so they, yeah, they did this first year there and it was just like a ton of media and just like super horror fans and stuff like that. It was, it was so awesome. You were just kind of stranded up there cause there was nothing, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't go anywhere. It was just you and the mountain and the hotel. And mm-hmm. so you were just watching films and just hanging out and partying and stuff like that. It was really cool. And then they moved to New Orleans and it's just doesn't never recaptured the same thing because it's uh, spread out in a very touristy area where there's just too much to do. Yeah. So it's just not the same. So what That's was one of the last horror movies that like inspired you or like hyped you up? Uh, oh, I don't know which one mine is, man. Creep. Creep 2. Wait, which one's that one? Creep. Uh, yeah, they one with Mark Duplass. It's an it's on Netflix. Not it's Jeepers. Like, oh, no. Mark Duplass. He's really dope. Yeah. I've never seen it. It's really yeah. good. It's short. It's like seventy two minutes or something like that. It's on Netflix. It's like uh, they're found footage films about uh, the first one's a guy that was hired on Craigslist to go film some guy. It's like a thousand dollars to film him. He doesn't know why. He goes up to the mountains and shoots this guy, and he basically. He tells him that he, he, he's he got a brain tumor that's inoperable and he's about to die and his wife's pregnant and he wants to get some footage of him, um, you know, talking to his kid and stuff like that and just spending a day with him so he can have this footage to leave with his son. And, you know, very slowly you realize I that. I bet you that's not that's the case. That's not the case. And uh, it's just this total creep dude and you're just like, you just fall. yeah. It's just super creepy. And he makes this guy do these weird things and he's totally m- messing with them. And then, uh, you know, just whatever happens, happens. And then he did a sequel, and it's just continuation, and it's just so good. Yeah. It's awesome. I I love that, man. Yeah, I've always... What was your favorite movie? That one where the girl gets her head cut off on the car. Hereditary? Hereditary. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. That was such a good film. Yeah, I like like stuff that was just like, oh, okay. Like, well, that was weird. It was that one, and then there was... um, Bro, what's the one with the guy used to the dark web to film people in his Unfriended or whatever the sequel? No, it's, it's not. It's not Unfriended. Okay, I think he uses like the dark web to. to he owns a hotel or an, or no, an Airbnb, multiple mm-hmm. Airbnbs. He owns mm-hmm. them, but he also plants super tiny cameras in each room and he spies on all the guests. Okay, and then he what he does 
is he streams it to he streams it to the dark web mm-hmm. and then people bid on things. Right. So like, hey, go in there and sniff her drawer or whatever right. for five hundred dollars. Sends huh. him the money. He goes he goes he does that or he'll steal like clothes from the rooms right. and then sell them on the dark web. Like it's really creepy, man. Hmm. I think I forgot uh, what it's called, it. but if I okay. remember, I'll I'll bring it up later. For sure, that sounds cool. Because the only ones that get me, I don't know if they're counting as horror, but the mm-hmm. green room. I, I was gonna actually say that one too. I I just saw that recently, Holy way way shit. too late. That was like the most tense. Movie I know it's, ever it's old, but I was like, "Whoa, this is kind of real." It's very. Have you, it's, seen, have you watched it? I haven't it's seen that so yet, man. Good. It's just a movie that you just sit down on suspense. the you're, super suspense. The whole time you're just at the edge of your seat, just like this. I'm living in a nightmare right now. Yeah, I, this I, is awful. I. I so it sucks, man, because I love gore. Because uh-huh. my dad used to—he's a horror guy, so uh-huh. it's like he just watched the goriest shit, and I just started getting into mm-hmm. it all. That's why I like. Um, I guess the other one was uh, what's the exorcism of Emily, the one Emily of Rose, the Mexico one, Mexico. exorcism of Mexico, the the Spanish one. Uh, Remember the one you sent me, Jessica. About... Oh Vanessa? yeah, Veronica. Oh, Veronica. Veronica. I didn't see that one. It was on that Netflix. Good, it, it reminded because they they did it like the old exorcist, so like the. <laughs> Right, the, the, the music, and, yeah, and like the angles and like how they filmed it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't too modern. It was sure. more to uh, homage to like I guess like the older ones. Mm-hmm. It was really good. It was like, I think the thing that always gets me, and I don't know if it's real, but when they play like tapes, yeah, yeah, from it's after, creepy. and I'm like, Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. me like. Well, shiver. plus, plus, <laughs> I don't know if you know the history of the of that haunting, but it was the first and only ever. Uh, recorded no documented Which, veronica yeah veronica it's real uh, it's supposed yeah. to be based on something yeah it's based on a real story down huh. in uh i forgot where it's at spain or something madrid um it was the only one reported by the police as the the excuse being or the mm. reason being paranormal activity right yeah they have like the real recording at the end and mm. it's fucking scary because yeah. you hear the girl screaming that's cool but it's just it's done like, so well yeah. man that's yeah. it you know uh but this is the camera this is the, the show i was talking about 13 cameras okay it's yeah, and, then the, and then the sequel is called 14 cameras that's clever yeah. 15 cameras <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they can keep it going right. they can keep it going There's but I, I want to talk about the, uh, the the film festival circuit uh-huh. how do you decide what films you want to submit to and what's the process like um, I mean there's there's like the major festivals like South by Southwest Sundance uh, Telluride uh, mm-hmm. you know like uh, Cannes Toronto those ones and those ones generally they, they'll have like a, a genre showing where they have like midnight films which are their horror or, you know their, their genre films and they only have like four or five and usually they'll give like one to a quiet place. So you're just like, why are you going, you know, what are you doing? That's not fair. Um, you're, you've already, you're, you know, you're coming out like two weeks after the festival wide, you know, you're going to be on 4,000 screens. Yeah. So um, the chances of getting into those is very slim. Um, a film last year called What Keeps You Alive that Colin Minahan did after It Stains the Sands Red, it actually got into uh, South by Southwest. And so nice. that was a cool experience to go, you know, it's just an EP on there and did some VFX and stuff. But going to to austin for that festival was pretty cool just it was so legit you know so dope um but with with like my films uh overlook with stillborn was kind of it was this new unknown thing we'd gotten rejected from south by we got rejected from uh tribeca and stuff like that so we kind of um we got into overlook but we didn't really know what it was yet because it was the first year Mm -hmm. um but we knew that there was gonna be a ton of media there and like uh it was just going to be something that a lot of people were just like, what is this thing? You know, Jason Blum was there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we went there and I, I loved it. It was such a fun time. Um, and then with Z, it was the same thing. I, since I was legacy there, we, we sent it to the guy, the guys that run it. And we're just like, Hey, we got this new movie, you know, it'd be rad to go back two years later with a new movie. We, you know, we did our world premiere for stillborn. We'll do it again with this. 
and uh you know it, it might it it was just sort of uh it came and went and and the, the festival circuit's weird there's like a there's so many genre festivals out there there's um they're worldwide they're everywhere you know there's one like every other week i mean yeah um and so you're kind of just submitting to whatever i mean you try and make friends you know get friendship uh, yeah. friends with like uh, some of the programmers and stuff like that mm-hmm. to give you a leg up because you know some of these places get thousands of films and they're just it's impossible to sort of stand out so yeah um you know we, we we got pretty lucky with stillborn we got some cool ones like uh fright fest in the uk and and just did like it kind of even now i'm hearing about z playing in like norway and i'm just like oh that's cool just like randomly it'll be at different places and stuff like that so you're just it's it's kind of just takes a life of its own when you've got your sales reps and stuff like that pushing it out a little bit oh, okay but, um it's it's always a tough thing to figure out where you're going to premiere first you know it's like do you want to you know i got rejected from this but there's a smaller one in between this and the next big one do we want to wait or do we want to take the one that's saying yes but it's a bit smaller and it's just like at the end of the day no one really remembers your premiere it's just it you know it's going to take a life of its own so yeah right now you know we had our premiere at overlook and then a couple months later we had another one uh, in florida and uh and then it just sort of like snowballs from there where other programmers they're like hitting you up they're like hey we heard you you won scariest film at at popcorn in in uh florida do you want to you know can you submit can you send us a screener and you're just like yeah cool and then they go hey yeah we want your film and it just kind of snowballs from there and it's it's kind of nice because i mean these screening fees they're pretty high you're like spending 60 bucks every time you send a film and Right. Oh damn. So you you pay to submit your film for the opportunity of possibly. Then, yeah. feed, wow. Okay. That, that's like that's how they they want you to do it. So when you have these relationships and you can just send them directly, or sometimes they'll reach out and they'll be like, "Hey, we want to see your film. Here's a waiver code," and then you put that code in on Film Freeway, and it it just uh, it knocks the price down to zero okay. usually, and then um, then you save some money doing that. But then you're traveling all the time. Like I, you know, I've done Florida. I've been in Calgary. I'm going up to Toronto. I was. I mean, it's playing tonight. I wanted to go. Um, uh, but, but he had just, the morning dinner podcast. Oh, I did, thank you, man. Yeah, uh, and and uh, it's just you know it's fun. like Telluride was you know a couple of weeks ago and that was that was awesome and that was one that I always wanted to do just because mm-hmm. it's like this small mountain town. There's nothing around anywhere. It's just you and the mountains and just people that want to see horror films. So it was, it was just cool and it's an awesome experience. Now, as someone who's never been to a film festival myself over here, Me. what and, and Chuck, what what happens at a film festival? You just go. And you watch movies all day, like people, like people. The general audience pays a ticket, five, ten bucks, twenty bucks, um, and they go watch movies all day. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, uh, typically, you know, depend. Different festivals are different, but I'll, I'll use Telluride since that's fresh. Uh-huh. Um, they had three screens, like three different theaters that you could go to, and then they had uh, like parties and things like that. They have uh, merch you can buy, and there's you know all the like different events that they set up. Like there was like a campfire reading thing where they had a guy with a little boombox, and he would read like a horror story. And they gave out like chocolate milk to everyone, oh, or cool. not chocolate milk, so hot bad. chocolate to everyone. So they're all just sort of sitting there. It's cold. And, uh, you know, you just do stuff like that. And it's just like a whole community coming together. And so many of these people know each other. Like they, they see each other at other festivals. It's a lot of media people that they all, do. there's just a lot of, it. it's weird because horror is kind of the one genre where you can, you can be a fan of slashers or you can be a fan of like psychological horrors. But you go together and like you just totally bond because there's just it's weird like you you, there's comedy snobs and stuff like that. There's like drama snobs where like oh you know this is not artsy enough. There's total like douches about it. But with the horror community, and this is another reason why I do it is because like they're just no matter what you're making they're super welcoming. Like 
I'm hanging out with uh, other filmmakers that do this stuff that's just like punk rock horror, totally different from my stuff, but there's just like a bond there because we're all kind of doing the same What's thing. What's punk rock horror? <laughs> I just, I mean, I just said that, but oh, okay. <laughs> it's not I really would, a subgenre. I would but imagine like a, like a, like a... I was like Jason, Rocky like Horror a, Show? <laughs> no, it's like a Jason movie where the, all the kids, teenagers die. <laughs> oh, you know, I, camping. I, I, like yeah. Jason... Uh, Cabin Hood. What's the one where he went Cabin to space? Woods. Jason X. <laughs> so Jason yeah. X? Yeah. You never see that? Bro, that shit was so funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny. There's this one scene where they're like... The sleeping bags. <laughs> yeah, the virtual reality, and he yeah. like... I don't know. It's he just hits. He, he takes grabs a girl, a girl in a sleeping bag, and he just hits the other girl. It's like the corniest shit, it's but it's funny. so funny. It's like okay, at this point, they're just yeah. being stupid, bro. Um, I just mean like very just. Just you watch these two movies. His stuff is just totally different compared to mine. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's appealing to the same people. You know, it's just a very broad audience. But they all just sort of like they're very. No one's like that's bad horror. They just want to watch horror. So they're very, they just sort of fiend for it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you go and you just, you can, you know, I'll watch a couple movies when I go, but in general, it's just about like socializing, networking and stuff, seeing people that I, I've seen at other festivals and just hanging out. It's, it's just a cool time. What do you think makes a good horror film? Or actually I'll rephrase that question. What makes a good horror film, but also what is something that you've seen in horror films nowadays that you think could be improved upon? Or if there is anything, I don't... Um, I mean, it, definitely it's like a, a strong central theme about what the film's about. Like yeah. when you have like the dissolution of a family and hereditary where you're just, you're dealing with these mental health and, you know, it's called hereditary. It's like something that her mom had, now she has, and you're just seeing a character fall apart and it's someone that you care about. So it's just, I mean, it's just having characters that are empathetic enough that you can attach yourselves to them. Even mm-hmm. if you don't really understand their experience, you at least are understanding their experience from their perspective. Um, I mean, that's a huge thing. Cause if you don't care about the characters, then it's, it's kind of lost, you know? Yeah. Like that's what, like the Jason X thing. We're saying the girl in the sleeping bag yeah. because the, you know, the hero <laughs> in that movie is Jason. We just want to see him kill people. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. So if you've got a great villain like that, that's awesome. I mean, you have the new Halloween stuff and it's got, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is back and her daughter and blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen the new one. It's, I mean, you've still got the dynamic of it's Jamie Lee Curtis versus, you know, Michael Myers. And it's because you've known these characters forever. It's a really, it's really interesting what they did because they basically uh, retro, uh, retroactively forgot about the sequels to the original Halloween. So it's mm-hmm. like the first Halloween happened and then this one happened. So they just ignored everything afterwards Mm -hmm. and it's just a continuation like 30 years later. And so it's just like everything that you knew from that franchise after that is gone. And it's just, she's dealing with her, you know, the, the, the effects of that night and stuff like that. She's like a crazy old lady and she's just been waiting for Michael to come back and he finally does. So it's, uh, it's cool. I mean, but if you don't have a character that you care about, then it's kind of the worst. Yeah. It's just like, who cares? And that's why I liked about TV too is um you can really dive into stuff you know like in breaking bad or something like that if that was a movie like who's jesse pinkman you're not going to care about this guy it's always just like yo bitch oh you know? <laughs> yeah. it's just like you don't really care but when you have a show and you're seeing the family struggle and you know just his his girlfriend dying and there's all these things these elements that kind of come together to create this character that you kind of fall in love with yeah and then when he you know when things go bad you're just like oh man you care for this person it makes it so much more effective yeah so I think it's, I mean, it always goes to the characters. I think one of the things for me that, that gets me about horror films, like a good horror film, like it's got to be something that, that I would think about some, it's happening to me or happening to like my brother, totally. my dad, something my niece, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, like, like even like, like, you know, 
kidnappings, things like that. Like yeah. it really, it ter- or somebody sneaking into your house mm-hmm. waiting for you to fall asleep. Like right. that terrifies me. Totally. You know, well, that's why like paranormal activity was so good. Cause it's like, what is happening when I go to sleep? You know, yeah. I can't, I'm yeah. not watch. I'm totally, uh, you know, I'm gone. I'm oblivious. Yeah. I don't know, but there's things happening in my house around me and I don't know about it. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's why green room so effective. Cause it just kind of puts you in this situation. A few things go wrong and you're just put into a situation where you're just like, what would you do? Yeah. Like, the hereditary, the her- hereditary mm-hmm. part where the, where he's driving the car, she sticks yeah. her head out the window. Like right. it's just something that you don't see is impossible for something right. to happen. It happens. And sure. you're like, Oh shit. What do I do? Yeah. I can't go back five minutes. Right. Like, there's no time. Like, you you know? know what movie messed me up? Hostel. Yeah. That, that, that movie. Oh, bro it's you know what it is about right no it's basically people who travel you know hostels stay in a oh, hostel okay. so but it, they just they get travelers they kidnap them and then they put them in torture rooms so mm-hmm. rich people pay money and they get the to torture, torture them and backpackers pretty much and it, it's pretty gory it it's gets great. pretty gory it's oh, kinda, okay, i gotta it, watch that <laughs> it makes it makes you feel like so like God. yeah because like when yeah. i watch a movie <laughs> and i feel like disgusted after i'm like Good job. <laughs> but I hate you. Yeah. Like, it was kind of what the movie that started the torture porn thing. Yeah. That was the, they like coined it. And then, you know, Saw. Like Saw. Yeah, Saw yeah. was pretty. Fun. Um, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I enjoyed Hostel a lot. I think it's pretty cool. Dang, dude, we're already at the one hour mark. Nice. Damn. That's crazy. And I'm I'm only halfway through what I wanted to ask you. Ask Keep talking. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on the uh, new Joker movie that came out? I didn't see it. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? Uh-uh. Oh, I dang. got kids. I got a newborn. It's impossible to see stuff. Damn. Dude. I didn't even see Quinn's movie. I didn't if you want to go see it, I'm down to go see it again. Cause yeah. it, I thought it was really good. Yeah. 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 I've heard, I mean, I've heard it's good. I, I mean, Joaquin's great. I'm sure it's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, what are, what are some tips that you can give me and Chuck on directing? Um, oh yeah. Like, cause what? we are not the greatest directors. We're learning, I feel. I mean, still. it always depends on who you're working with and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I still, like on Z, I would screw up things all the time. I mean, there was a time on Stillborn where I was shooting a scene, um, very small scene, very, it's just like the main, main character's looking out a window and she's kind of traumatized by something that's happened to her. And and uh, she's staring and I'm watching the monitor. I'm just like, oh man, a tear would be great right now. And, you know, you just need to know your actor. Some some actors will be like, you know, you go, hey, I need a tear. And they go, okay, cool, got it. And then they cry. But mm-hmm. with certain people, they just, that's not how they work. Their process is different. So you need to give them some motivation or something like that. And so on the, you know, when we're shooting, I go, I was like, I need you to cry. And she's just like, she just like lost it and i was just not lost like mad just like lost the emotion that she was in and i was just felt like an idiot because i was like she was there all i had to do was just say something like you know like your baby's dead this thing wants your baby you know react something for her to react to rather than like a technical detail that she needed to perform like hey stop and then like messing up that momentum yeah so she's she's in a zone and it's just like why would i ruin that and i don't i felt like an idiot it was it was a good learning moment for me Mm. because i'm just like and that happened on z a couple times with another actor that i won't talk about but um just i didn't know his process and he didn't know mine and it was just a clash of ideals that uh was kind of messy oh okay so what you but what you do is you you look at that scene and you just sit there and you you have to feel what yeah what is the emotion what are you trying to get out of that scene I mean, that was something that I learned on Stillborn. The DP and I would go through each scene, and as we were talking about how we wanted to shoot it, it would be like, what's the central emotion of this scene? It's like, oh, this scene, this character wants, she's upset because of X. And it's just like, okay, so we really want to focus on that. She's upset about mm-hmm. that thing, and she wants right. she wants to figure out what that is. So, sorry, I'm shaking the table. Um, so it's just, you know, it's figuring out what 
is the motivation of the scene for the character. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's a scene where there is no motivation, it's just like, what are they doing? And then just cut the scene. It doesn't need to be there. I mean, that's going to be something that's going to come out in editing anyways. Because yeah. you're just going to be like, why so is why this scene the time? here? Why am I wasting this? It's just, it's gone. And it happens constantly, you know? Like, Z, the script had like 185 scenes, mm-hmm. and the movie has like 140. Because you just go cut, 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 wow. cut, cut. Right. Because <clears throat> it's just, stuff is just like, you think it may, on the page, you're just like, this is super important. I need to get this character's detail and stuff. But so much of the stuff that you're getting from that scene being so explicit about the exposition, it's just like, oh, the performance that she had when she reacted to that moment early in the film gives you everything you need to know. So right. that whole scene is just redundant. Right. Yeah. I feel like as a as somebody who's editing, not only like knows the script frontwards and backwards, but when you're editing it, you uh, you, you start to think like, do I really need this part in here? Totally. Even though I, I thought I did, I don't need it anymore. Right. Because you have to think about when you're editing a film, you're editing it as somebody who hasn't seen it for mm-hmm. the f- ever, doesn't know the script. Yeah. You have to watch it as somebody who doesn't know your technical background, mm-hmm. don't know, doesn't know what happened that day of there. They, right. they just see, they just know what's happening on yeah. screen, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't, it doesn't matter that you spent 10 hours shooting a shot. Yeah. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. And that's brutal when you're the, you know, when you, when you're so proud of it, you're just like, oh, I spent so long Cut. on this. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. My mom, uh, there's a scene in Stillborn. It's one shot. It's, uh, they're having a security monitor installed. And uh, there's a shot looking kind of from the POV of the security monitor past the technician screwing it in and then at the two parents and they're talking. And uh, we had reshuffled some of the scenes so that, you know, they would work better. And then my mom, out of everyone, she goes, hey, there's a crib in the background there. And I was just like, oh, man, because it used to be before she took down the crib, but now with the re-tooling thing, it was after. So I'm like, I had to go in, rotoscope the people, paint the wall. Yeah, I know. And I mean, people would have noticed it because they would have been like, I thought she just took that down. It was such a big scene when she takes down that thing. And literally 30 seconds later, there it is again. And so I just never noticed it because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Like you just don't see it. It's you like, just don't see it because you're not thinking about it. You're thinking of so many technical things. You're not thinking about that. That continuity will get you. But totally. luckily you're a v- VFX artist so you yeah. can t- take care um, of What is the person who uh, I would just looks for in. continuity in the scripts? Uh, like what a script, scripts, uh, supervisor. Supervisor, yeah. yeah like yeah, um, We had that on Stillborn and they, they're just kind of there to make sure oh, they grabbed that glass with this hand. Yeah, so put and, it back in that, Yeah, with this hand. those things. We didn't have it on Z, and it, it was fine. There's some small, well, there's a couple things, like wardrobe would be completely different from shot to shot. Like, we would shoot part of a scene, come back a week later, and when I was editing, I was like, she's wearing a totally different outfit. <sighs> and it's like, I cut the scene, it's gone. Oh, well, it's not Damn. as bad as Game of Thrones with the like Starbucks. You couldn't just rotoscope it? <laughs> I Well, on Stillborn, there's a scene where in the middle of the night, there's a power outage and she goes down the stairs and there's lightning and stuff. We shot, there's there's three shots. One, it dollies from the wall and she's walking with the baby. There's a lightning flash and then it goes up to this like high chandelier shot. Yeah. And she's walking down, there's lightning flash and then she's walking towards the back door. It's three separate shots and they were shot on three separate nights, three weeks apart. So it was like week one, week two, week three, mm-hmm. three, just to make this one little sequence and um the first one she's wearing a, a night or a night coat thing or mm-hmm. she's not wearing a night coat she's just wearing a sweater the third one same thing but on the second one totally different shirt and i'm just like i had to i mean if you look at it, it looks terrible but you're not looking for it but like i had to like redraw around her body <laughs> go down as she's walking down the stairs holding a baby with lightning flashes uh. and like i'm painting Oh it my damn, match. all the curveballs. It's brutal. And you it's learned just, a lot though. <laughs> oh, I did. And it's great. It's good to learn, but it's, yeah. it's, it's so painful. It's, it's literally a five second fix on yeah. when you're shooting. And 
you know, ends up being a four-hour. We can fix hours. it in post. Okay. And that was, but that's a surprise one <laughs> where you're like, oh, I, I have yeah. to fix this in post. Like you, you have to have because to. you can't cut around I can it. Cut yeah. around. yeah. That's crazy. And yeah. one thing I was gonna ask too, um, when you like pitch a movie mm. to like how do you get the money for it like who do you go to like is it angel investors or is it a big company right. or is it self-funded and who does it um usually? with i mean I, the the first film that i worked on was it stands it sounds red and that was mostly self-funded by colin and Stu. and then they as they were getting to post and stuff like that they needed a little bit more money and they they sold off some equity of the film to someone else to come in to to, to you know finish the film with them um, oh, okay. but with uh, stillborn, that was all privately financed. And the way that we had done it was we were, we were retaining 50% of the equity for the, for us and then 50% to the investors. And they would buy, you know, the budget was 150,000 bucks and they were, you know, for 150,000 bucks, they bought 50% of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we went a uh, call on Minahan kind of drove the, 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 uh, the raising on all that stuff. So he kind of went around, talked to a ton of different people and he had enough contacts from doing other stuff that he kind of had people to talk to. And eventually we ended up getting like 12 people or something like that to put just small amounts in like 10, 15,000 bucks. That's so tight. And then we just raised that. And, uh, that combined with that, that tax rebate, that was another 30 grand, um, that paid for our post. So it was just like, everybody you know taking a chance on us and luckily it, it worked out and all those people um they they made money and they wanted to come back for z and spiral and stuff like that so mm. it was it's it's always the hardest to raise for your first film because it's like well who are you why am i going to give you money yeah you know to own something that i don't know if it'll be good i don't know anything it's like a huge risk um and so it's it's just it, that's once you've done it once and you can be like oh no i did this you, you can see this yeah 100 you know it's 10 times easier now the investors that that buy half of the buy fifty percent, are they looking to make their money back through uh, video on demand, uh, sales, things like that, or merchandise streams? Um, there's just there's different ways. I mean, there's like uh, there's things called MGs, which are called money guaranteed. It's when say a company X wants to buy your film and they're going to give you fifty grand for it, and then uh, maybe they'll give you like. 70% of every of gross money going forward after that. So you get 50 grand and then they have to recoup that 50 grand from selling it and they have to recoup all their marketing fees and they have to recoup all the blah, blah, blah yep. and stuff like that. And that's where you basically, if that's your deal, that 50 grand is probably all you're going to see because they're going to lie and lie and do all the Hollywood math. That's, that's going to you know, change math. things. Hollywood yeah. math. I mean, with Latin America on stillborn, we sold it for, I think it was $130,000, wow, so so which is huge. That's so dope. <clears throat> but um, it opened wide. Like they opened in Mexico wide and like 100 screens. They opened in Colombia. It was like on Box Office Mojo. It was The Avengers and then Stillborn. And, you know, it's just like. That's crazy. It was crazy. But and it's making, you know, made over a million dollars in Latin America. But I'll never see any of that, even though they didn't oh, spend wow. anything. You know, so it's just like. But that's dope to know that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's so dope. Tight. I would still be super be proud. So, yeah, I, that's for sure. Good, that's such a great accomplishment yeah, to awesome. have, man. It was great to see. It's just, but you're just like, so where's that money going, Can guys? I get... <laughs> <laughs> some, there's got to be something some there. Yeah, some dude's yeah, he's doing pretty well for himself. El Chapo. <laughs> El Chapo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I want to talk about um, uh, found footage films because we had, we, had mm-hmm. we had touched on it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you ever make a found footage film? Um, it'd be tough. I mean, it's total clash of how I shoot, which is yeah. very kind of locked down and very kind of dolly driven. It's yeah. uh, so it, it would be interesting. It'd be fun to try it. I yeah. do like, you'd probably move a lot faster cause your setups aren't as precise, 
but uh, I, I'm actually writing something that is kind of a mix of narrative and found footage. So it might be, I might be able to be uh, tested on that, but um, you know, there's, there's something to be said about having, being able to do found footage because it's, it's a pretty economical way to shoot a film because it's just like, here, I'm just going to point it and you, there's a lot of creativity you can have yeah, there for definitely. scares and mm-hmm. things like that. So That's, I think it's, uh, it'd be I, interesting to try. I love that shit. I think Cloverfield was the one that, that really made me happy. Like, mm-hmm. cause I thought it was going to be corny. I was like, uh-huh. what is this corny ass yeah, Clo- Cloverfield is found footage? I yeah. still haven't seen it. It's great. It's, uh, is it found footage? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. I've seen. Um, you haven't seen it. I've seen Thirteen Lane or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah. Cloverfield Lane or something. Cloverfield did. Uh, I didn't watch that. So it's good. It was that was a separate movie that they t- tied it into Cloverfield after the fact. Uh, okay. Yeah. All I know about Cloverfield is it was. Oh yeah, it was handheld. That's yeah. why everybody kept talking trash about it. It was great. They were like, "Oh, it's gonna make you nauseous." No, like I like cool. that. Yeah. I like that. I, I don't. Like I don't get motion. Blair Witch like has that. is my favorite found yeah. footage film of all time. That one's amazing. And that's because when I, I watched it when I was like. 12 years old mm-hmm. man. it seems so real it scarred it me i thought it was real well, that's like you said paranormal it yeah. seems so damn real because well, it's like right there yeah the thing about blair witch was it was kind of the first movie that used viral marketing for its benefit like they put out fake news stories and stuff like that and they were like these kids died this is real these are artifacts that we found on the site but we never saw these kids again so the movie was built around this idea that this was real found footage. Like yeah. no one had seen anything like it. So I, I saw a preview screening with my cousin Scott in Langley, BC, and we had to walk through an un, like a forested area to get to the theater for the midnight screening. That's so tight. And though. we were supposed to walk back at like 2 a.m. afterwards, nah, but I was bro. way too scared. So we nah. called his dad. I was in the eighth grade. I was, uh, I guess, 14 or something. Yeah. And I spent that whole night just in bed crying because I was so scared. I thought it was real. I had no idea. Bro, I, first of all, no. <laughs> I would never no. do that, bro. Yeah. I, I don't know, man, man. I've seen too many things go down in movies for ever, to ever take the chance. I do like when always... they do that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you cool. just said, the... the creates, it creates a mood and an atmosphere Holocaust around did it. that. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're like... Right. That was a weird-ass fucking movie. Right. But they, like... They said that the whole... All the crew couldn't say anything for, like, a year. Like they all right. had to just like make believe they disappeared. Yeah, but they killed like turtles and stuff like that. They, that's the thing. There's that like made this me sad. animal animal rights abuses in that film. That's a fucked up film. That's a whole nother, <laughs> I don't, like the 60s yeah. or something. Yeah. But it's kind of the same thing. It's just like this expedition yeah. documentary filmmakers going out and filmed a cannibal found a cannibal tribe tribe. <clears throat> I like that film. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I haven't seen the original from like the seventies right. or eighties. But the one they did in like the I said two thousand or something. Yeah, yeah. I like a thousand uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. The I've Devil never seen Rejects. That one. I I've really like I, I like those ones because they're just like, well, this is so fucking it's twisted. Yeah, I those, don't know why I like twisted. Those films, are like bro. punk rock horror. If you're thinking oh, okay. about punk, punk rock, rock horror, horror. That, yeah. you compare to that to oh, something okay. I've done. It's totally different. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> what was cool. Kevin Smith's movie? The Red Tusk or Red State? Yeah, that was dope. Was really good. I haven't seen that one either. Yeah. Shout well, out to my dad. I want to talk about what's on the horizon for Brandon Christensen. Um, just writing right now. I'm trying to, I'd like to shoot something here, even if I can't hit that threshold for the, the tax rebate. I'd just like to be able to go to bed in my own bed for once and shoot a film and oh. not, I mean, the way we've always done it is that we shot it in the summer when my kids aren't in school, mm-hmm. um, which is cool, but it's, it's tough because then your summer vacation is spent not around your kids and right. it'd be nice to be able to spend that time with them. So um right now i'm just i'm writing something that i can hopefully shoot in in vegas a short or feature a feature and so, so i would dope. yeah it'd be cool um it's you know it'd be a small thing but uh hit us up <laughs> yeah. i'm a good pa <laughs> okay. yeah we will well, um, 
<laughs> I, I can vouch for him. Mm. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, I, I was going to say, what's the incentive of doing a feature length film versus doing a short film that you can shop around and maybe like, because I've, I've seen Lights people out. take short right. films and then sell them to like a right. big studio and then they make a big movie out of it. Like Napoleon Dynamite was a short film originally. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, I mean, now that I've done features, it's like, I don't want to go back to shorts. You know, do, I, do, do you think it's like a going back kind of thing? Kind of. I mean, I understand it. And I've talked to a bunch of managers and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, like I've done two feature films that have been successful. Yeah. Uh, you'd think that they would be like, oh, yeah, let's get you on a roster, blah, blah, blah. But they're just like, do you have any shorts or anything? You know, it'd be because they oh, can. Damn. It's just easy for them to be like, hey, studio, here's a six minute short of a concept. You can buy this concept right now. And then you got a filmmaker that's going to do it. And he's going to do the lights out thing. And um, it's just, it seems to be that that was kind of the way that people were getting into the business like 10, 15 years ago. And then it stopped for a little while. And now it's kind of re-come back mm -hmm. as that's happening again. And I'm just right. like, I mean, yeah, it'd be cool to do a short film and stuff like that. But I've done like five or something like that. You yeah. like that challenge. That's yeah, and, time, feature, and features are just like, I don't know. There's just... It's a it's a huge accomplishment, a huge oh, undertaking. I think a, just, a feature is more also for yourself. A little bit. Than, than, also, than, the features of your quality, that's like, to me, I'm like, well, I'll never touch this. And the quality <laughs> of your features? Well, don't say what? that. You mean just, the quality of your features? Oh, my God. Stop correcting me. The, uh, <laughs> it's I mean, it's a very masochistic thing to do to yourself because it's, you know, it's a crazy amount of work. I'd imagine it's like a like an artist who's like, oh, I could go back to doing covers. Right. I like I like producing albums. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's just it, it's not really a step back because you can experiment with shorts and stuff like that, but it's just like a rat race to get mm -hmm. into that because you're not guaranteed anything. So you're gonna spend money, and you can do... also you can also do it as a short mm -hmm. to if you're not sure yeah. if it would do well as a yeah. as a feature. You know, yeah, for sure, it's like a proof of concept, and yeah, people do yeah, that yeah. still where they want to raise film or funds, so yeah. they'll shoot a five minute shorter condensed version of this thing, so they can go, hey, investors, we want to do this but bigger, and that works a lot for a lot of people. So. I mean, there's mm -hmm. nothing bad about it, but it's just, I've done two features now. I'm kind of just sort of, that's where my head's at. I'd like to get into a series though. Like I've, I've got a pilot I want to shoot. Yeah. I would like to just do it because it'd be, it'd be And awesome. with the pilot, like how many episodes do you need? You just need one? Yeah. When you shoot a pilot, it's just one. I mean, ideally you would just shoot everything. There's nine episodes I could shoot and I would just like to just do it. And but once they accept, you sell it to them? I the guess. That's the, that's what I need to figure out is how that works because uh, I don't know. I, so I, that's why a lot of people do a pilot because it's going to be cheaper and you can sell the idea to people. And then, and they then you get the money yeah. and then you make the episodes. Yeah. I heard a lot of actors and comedians talk about pilot season. Yeah. When it's like they go oh. out, they go out and act in 10 different mm -hmm. projects. They don't know what's going to get picked yeah. up. It's by crazy. a network yeah. and that's that's terrible it's like i mean it's just like throwing shit at a wall you know yeah and you hope you something something lands and 99 percent of the time it doesn't so it'd be i mean with all the streaming platforms and stuff like that where netflix drops everything all at once it just would it, it would be it would be awesome to just go into a hundred day production and just create this entirely long mm -hmm. a 10 hour movie and make it into these episodes and just create this thing that's mm -hmm. See, that would be and, and, and that kind of makes me think about, well, what about doing a Netflix series, mm -hmm. right? What do you know what goes on into into submitting a show to Netflix? Do, I mean, I know because I, I, somebody sent me a page uh, from Netflix that has like requirements <clears throat> of how you must shoot a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the either a series. And, yeah, yeah, camera requirements or like, you know, editing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, um, I mean, they, they're, they're so and they're, they're like they're creating their own content. They're bringing on people to do film uh, shows for them now. I mean, they'll still acquire films out of like Tribeca or, you know, Toronto and things like that. They're still buying films, but a lot of these shows, they're 
producing themselves like they're putting they're financing them for you know like Mindhunter and stuff like that those were always netflix exclusives. it comes out of the 12.99 14.99 yeah. membership that yeah. people pay for every month yeah across the world so it's, it's crazy. um i don't know i mean that that's it's a it's a whole kind of a new paradigm that's happening with all that stuff and now you've got apple and you've got disney and they've all got their streaming things and there's there's so many avenues for it where the amount of eyeballs that you're getting is getting smaller and smaller because there's so many niches that are just yeah. being created and formed. You know, you've got Shutter, which has kind of been where like Stillborn really thrived in the U.S. because it just, you know, it's it was just people. It kind of went viral on there, and people were watching it and watching it again and stuff like that. Um, so it's it's tough. I mean, it's just it's it's all it's always a hustle. I mean, no yeah. matter where you are, you could be at the top of the ladder. Uh, that Chris from Aquarii guy, the guy that did like uh, Mission Impossible. And Jack Reacher and stuff like that. He just put up a long tweet string just talking about how he never wanted to be an action director. You know, he doesn't feel like he's made it. And that's just the thing. Damn, you'll never so crazy. You'll never feel like you made it because you've always seen people that are doing stuff that you want to do. That's so that imposter like, syndrome, bro. Yeah. And you're just trying to work harder to get to that level. And you get to that level and you see, oh, well, this person's doing this. And you're kind of always pivoting the goal. And that's, I think it's just, that's part of the, the thing is in this business, you can't be complacent. You got to keep hustling and trying to get that you know create bigger and bigger goals for yourself what so would be the next genre you jump to if you had to i'd love to do wanted. comedy oh hell yeah it'd yeah. be fun yes Just what to, kind of comedy though slapstick like dark break, humor uh, no uh, something so bad or more like, like, like game uh game night you ever see that no it's game a, night with like game Jason night. Bateman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's hilarious. It's like a date night kind of. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's just the script is really tight. The actors are great. It's not like a Judd like Apatow. Blockers. I didn't see it, but I heard it's very similar. Yeah. Um, but it's actually really well directed and everything. Yeah. Like the the camera moves are important and stuff like that to the story, and, it, and you know it helps. It's like Edgar Wright what he does, mm -hmm. like when he shoots Scott Pilgrim or something like that. that the camera's such a good. Yeah, it's so yeah, like the dumb. everything is the the humor comes out of everything, not just like a bunch of you know Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. So like a zoom of the lens up. or something. Totally, like, like they can't the so the way tight. you shoot it is part of the joke, and that I think would be really fun to play with. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it's comedy's tough because there's no market for no-name actors in a comedy. Like, you know, with horror, you can have people that no one really knows, but if the scares are effective... Damn, that's true. It doesn't matter. I never know? thought about that. That's yeah. crazy. When you look for a comedy, you're mm -hmm. kind of like, well, where's oh, I like Jason Seth Rogen? Uh -huh. Yeah, where's, one, where's The Rock? I think right. one day would be the dopest thing is be like Adam Sandler. Like, yeah. Just have his production and his money I mean, his he is, could literally just do whatever yeah, he wants he's just like i want to go to spain let's write a movie in spain and we'll just spend a year there yeah, i got 150 million let's yeah. go <laughs> he, he uh did a deal with netflix right yeah he had like he's a got six like, movie deal or something yeah that last one that came out the uh the, was good. the, the murder mission yeah, one. it was fun i was surprised Wait, I was, was like, that was a the, netflix movie like yeah it was netflix which one was it this is it like a murder mystery the they're on David a boat Spade? no uh, was, i don't think he's in it no it was him what was it called i forgot the lady that was in there there was it uh I don't know. The girl from Friends, what's her name? Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, it's yeah, really funny. That. I mean, I've I've not liked many of his films that have gone up on Netflix, <laughs> but that <laughs> one's <laughs> But that one's pretty legit. Bro, I love Adam Sandler growing up. Like, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I, it doesn't matter how bad of a movie he right. makes now. I will always be a fan. It was like sure. uh, you grew up watching Austin Water Powers Boy. and stuff Happy though Gilmore. too. Like Austin Powers is forever gonna be mm -hmm. a funny movie to me because yeah. I used to watch it so much. I just watched Goldmember again for the first time <laughs> in ten <laughs> years. Stupid. Have you seen Goldmember from Austin Powers? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got in an melting accident. <laughs> <laughs> and like you know Jack Black and all them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I could vibe with those guys so yeah. much. Yeah, it'd be Jack fun. Black. Um, who's who is uh somebody you would like to work with in the industry that? you would like to make happen in the next let's say 
five years. <laughs> um, I'd like to work with Damon Lindelof. Okay. I'm a huge fan of his from Lost and The Leftovers, and now he's got Watchmen that's going. Yeah. Um, he's a great actor. Uh, in the uh, right, he's a writer. Oh, he's a writer. I thought you were talking about the main uh, actor in The Leftovers. Oh, well, what's his name? Justin Thoreau. Just yeah, that's one no, thing about him. Uh, he no, he's great. He's a writer too, but um. Uh, yeah, Damon Lindelof's the showrunner on like the um, Watchmen and the Leftovers and stuff like that. Dude, but, I'm so pissed off that they canceled Leftovers. They didn't really cancel it. They just let it finish. It was great. Three seasons. Was <laughs> you see that? <laughs> I don't know, man. It didn't need more. It was. I it, felt it was like dumb. I could have gone another another season, man. After season two, even it was like if they didn't come back, I was happy because it ended so well, and then they just up one up themselves. Yeah, it's a so great I was show. Pretty happy with that. I just wanted one more. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, so I we're at the what hour and a half mark, man. Uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you online? Uh, Instagram, Vimeo, website. We'll play uh, sh- yeah, Instagram is kind of the main thing. It's just the Brandon Christensen, T H E B R A N D O N C H R I S T E N S E N. Very oh. long. No, man. Yep. We're going to put all your links below. in the description down below for iTunes, Spotify, cool. YouTube, and all that good stuff. We appreciate you coming on and joining us on the Thank Morning Dinner so podcast. No problem. It's fun. And uh, yeah, man, we'll have to see where you're at next year and uh, what's going on. Yeah, for sure. See I'm going to watch Z tonight. Yeah. yeah, do it. And everybody tuning in, thank you guys Monday. for catching us on the Morning <laughs> Dinner. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks. Thank you. Every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen, in the goddamn refrigerator. I sure am hungry. That was our longest episode by far this year. This year, guys. Thank you guys for rocking with us all the way. Uh, if you made it all the way to this part of the video, don't forget to subscribe and then like and then drop a comment, guys. Let us Please. know if you dug this episode. As we said, this is the last episode Ooh. of the month of October. And uh, yeah, man, episode 81. Uh, thank you guys was for tuning amazing. in. And we'll catch you guys in the next morning dinner. We love y'all.